Today's episode touches on the big three making over $5 million every two hours last year. Electronic press kits and our contract speak segment. So naturally, you don't want to miss it. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Music Professional Podcast, the place to improve your abilities and leverage your skills as a music professional. I'm your host, Shaheem Kellum. I have a great episode lined up for you today, including why electronic press kits still matter and what should be in yours. We're going to do a little contract speak as we cover what the initial and option periods mean and how to identify those tricky renewal clauses. But first, did you know the big three music companies collectively generated over $5 million every two hours in 2021? According to MusicBusinessWorldwide.com's recent calculations, the three major global music operations cumulatively generated $23.11 billion across the 12 months of the 2021 calendar year. That's the equivalent of $2.6 million every hour or $63.3 million every day or $444.4 million every week. And if you really want to get down to it, it breaks down to about $732 every single second. Wow, that's amazing. But here's the breakdown. Of course, the largest global company last year was Universal Music Group, right? And through the lens of annual recorded music revenues, including merchandise sales, UMG came in at 80, well, no, $8.48 billion, an annual growth of about $1.32 billion year on year according to MBW's calculations. In addition, Universal's publishing division saw an increase of $279 million for a revenue total of $1.58 billion. As a result, Universal is the first to take its annual revenues above $10 billion in history. Sony had a prosperous 2021, particularly with recorded music streaming revenues, which grew by $979 million in 2021 to hit $3.94 billion. Sony also had a big year for 2021 with its acquisitions in recorded music. It bought both UK-based company AWOL and Brazil-based Som Libra last year, amongst other purchases. With all this action happening for Sony, they can keep their eyes on the growth seen in their publishing operations. If they can grow that margin again, they'll surpass a $2 billion annual revenue figure this year in 2022. Last but not least is the Warner Music Group, clocked in at $5.58 billion in 2021, up by $1.04 billion year on year. WMG's annual recorded music revenues, including merchandise, leaped up by $882 million. $141 million from their music publishing division of Warner Chappelle Music and up $900 million for the recorded music streaming revenues to reach $3.12 billion year on year. All of this money being made tells me one thing. There's enough out there for everybody. Now, this isn't to say that you'll be a billionaire right away, but at least there's enough out there to get a slice of the pie. Speaking of pie, honey, honey, you feel like making me a pie today? Just checking. We'll be right back. Hi, guys. Hey, everybody. I'm Leia. And I'm Shah. And welcome to the Married for What podcast. The show that explores the real shit that occurs in relationships and what they never teach you about the realities of marriage. Follow us at the MFW podcast. That's at T-H-E-M-F-W podcast on Twitter and IG. 
I'm so excited because we're going into season two as well for our podcast, my wife and I. And the commercial you just heard was the MFW podcast, Married for What? And uh, we've had a long journey to get to this point in our own relationship and marriage. We wanted to give you out a reel of reel on what they actually don't tell you about marriage. Uh, But yeah, definitely check us out. You can check us out on Spotify as well as Anchor dot fm backslash mfw you can go to our website at kellumunlimited.com and we just touch on a little bit of everything give you a little bit of humor lots of laughs but uh, a lot of the real stuff that keeps this relationship going so right after this uh we'll get right back into the show but uh yeah let's do it y'all We are back, everybody. This is your host, Shaheem Kellum, for the Music Professional Podcast. We're about to get into it as to why an electronic press kit still matters. All right. Now, I take this reference really uh, from my research, and I came across uh, Apple Music for Artists. If you're not familiar with that aspect of Apple, they actually have parts of um, their platform for Apple Music that help for people trying to get on the distribution platform and explaining the ways and the different things to help them to advance their careers. Of course, uh, Apple really understands that they don't particularly have as much of an engine outside of their hardware and software and stuff like that. But in the music realm, they need you, the artist. So the best way to be able to do that is to continue to help you and present out some of that information. So I I gather it all up, uh, put it together uh, as well with what uh, I already understood as well as what they pulled out as a dynamic. But I definitely want to give them a shout out to Apple Music for Artists. Definitely check that out. So apart from creating and releasing your music, it'd be best if you got it into the right hands, right? So of course we wanted to get it to the right people, but what are we giving people? You know, before we give them uh, business cards or some people, you know, put a CD in your hand. If you're from New York and you're anywhere near Times Square, they're always trying to put something in your hand to tell you about their new music, you know, the trunk of the car salesman type of thing. But as we move to more uh, formal as well as uh, the digital space, uh, an electronic press kit or what they call an EPK, it helps you to cut through some of the noise because it tells you know the person receiving it just about everything about you. So your EPK is packaged in one place and it's your professional resume and business card in itself. It makes it easy for music industry professionals such as managers, or booking agents, uh, for venue owners, promoters, journalists, uh, and, and any other music professionals uh, to see and review your work, all right? So you always wanna make a great first impression. So exploring if an EPK is suitable for you indicates that you may be ready to take your career to the next level and establish yourself as a brand. It really says that you are taking yourself seriously to craft this together. Just like going to a job interview, you can show up, you can be as charismatic as you want, but the first real introduction was you sending in or handing in your resume, right? Even somebody being able to hear your resume gets you in the door, but that presentation is important. And you, you understand as much work as you put into making sure that your, pre, that your resume is put forth in the best possible light, right? So when it comes to music, many artists craft their EPKs while others may work with professionals to create an EPK that's just right. And you can do your own. You know, you can hire somebody, you can do it yourself uh, and just continue to tweak it and make it better and better and better and making sure that you're getting the response that you want from it. All right. So to ensure your EPK is concise and to the point, 
because people tend to just put everything and anything uh, up there, especially even in their bios. They want to tell you their entire story. They want to tell you everything regarding, you know, every show that they ever did. And it's just a bit too much. All right. Just like a business card just has, you know, concise information that tells everything about you that's necessary. And then, of course, your contact information. Your EPK is a step above that, but it still has to be concise. So be sure that you have these key elements, right? You're going to have to have these key elements in your EPK as well. I'll also create a quiz uh, that you'll be able to link to uh, in the description, as well as if you're reading this on the blog, you'll be able to click that and be able to understand the checklist and the things that you're going to need for your EPK and to make sure that you have them. All right. So. The first thing you're going to need or the first key element you're going to make sure that you have is your artist bio. All right. Your artist bio should be written in the third person and tell the world who you are and what you're all about. All right. Apple and myself. Well, it's suggested of having a long and a short version of this handy. All right. So you have a short bio. That's for the stuff, you know, where they just need to excerpt a quick, you know, paragraph or so about you just to get you know, people to know you. And then you have a long form version that you'll be able to send out uh, for press releases as well as for um, magazine write-ups or even music blogs. So you have both of these so they can, you know, have a little bit more information about you. Those that want to be quick, give them a short form. That's what's going to go on your EPK. And then you'll have the long form. And you're constantly going to be updating this information with more and more accomplishments and accolades along the way. All right. So the second key element you want to have are photos and I mean high quality, right? Include a variety of high quality images or album artwork that can be used for promotional uses. All right. I'm sorry for promotional purposes. Uh, of course, it's going to be used to promote you. Right. It's your image. It's your likeness. Uh, you want people to know who you are. But so you want to have the best possible quality images and artwork about your music, about yourself, uh, that if anybody was to grab it and put it anyplace else, it still is a representation, you know, that you decided upon that's now in the world. Right. The third key element you want to have up there is your music. Right. Uh, and not necessarily you're going to have an attachment to this. You're going to have links directly connected to it. So highlight your most popular songs or your most popular songs that most authentically represent who you are. Right. Include links to these songs. Uh, if you have an EPK and you just start putting attachments to MP3s, uh, most of the time it's going to be uh, caught by their filters and then spammed immediately. So you just want to have it in your EPK on that document, uh, preferably uh, placing it into a PDF. So there's no changes, but everything that's up there is your best possible representation, your most authentic self. And your music, of course, is what you want to shine through. All right. Number four, you want to have uh your music videos, right? Or links, of course, to your music videos. Everything is a link. So you're not putting any attachments. So you have your music videos. So give people a peek into your on-screen persona, right? Include links to some of your best videos, uh, behind the scenes shots and other visually compelling elements, all right? Uh, the fifth key element you want to have is notable moments, all right? So you want to include performances, quotes uh, from interviews, accolades and other highlights and achievements you've had along your journey. All right. Sometimes, you know, reading a person's bio doesn't tell you as much uh, about them, but 
uh, when you're going through it, you might so find something that's compelling in someone's bio. And it's usually some of their notable moments. You know, when you start seeing certain venues that you performed at or certain competitions that you've won or certain types of acknowledgments that you've gotten from, you know, other professionals in the industry, that might be the thing that sticks to a person a little more so than just uh, the run of the mill story of I just love music and I'm just trying to get my music out there. You know, so if somebody else can co-sign for you, that'd be great. But even if not, just highlighting the competitions that you've been in, you may have came into third place in a, uh, a regional competition that had over 4,000, you know, contestants. And if I'm from that state or that area, or I know about that competition and I know how tough it is, third place is nothing to sniff at. All right. I understand it's not first place, but third place is nothing to sniff at beating out 4,000 other people. So, you know, there are a lot of people that did not win on these celebrity, um, I'm sorry, on these reality music shows, you know, the American Idols and stuff like that. But the second or third or even fourth place people actually have better careers than the people that came in first. So you never know. All right. So make sure you have your notable moments in there on your EPK. Your sixth key element, and this is one that people tend to forget to put, is your upcoming releases. All right. So you want to keep people curious by sharing details about any forthcoming playlists, appearances, interviews or musical musical releases. All right. You might have a video coming out, anything that you have that's coming up, any places you're going to be. You want to have that in your EPK. Um, you're going to have to update this pretty often. But if you have a tour, you could just lock that in. That's pretty much what it is. And you'll be able to let, you know, whoever you send this out to, especially a publication, know what you have coming up next. Hopefully they can do some additional promotion to their audience to get more people to come out to see you. And that'd be great for, for everybody. But you just want to make sure that you have, you know, at least something coming up. People want to see that you're active. You know, yeah, you've done a lot before, but what are you doing now? What will you be doing in the future? Can we, you know, find out what you're doing, you know, coming up and uh, and try to get on, on board with the train because we love the music or the video or the personality or what, what have you. Right. The seventh area or the seventh key element is analytics. Right. So you can showcase the impact of your music by using your numbers. Right. Numbers are important and how you are able to, you know, get across a measurable aspect that people can gauge. You know, you notice how when a person gets nominated for a, uh, a Grammy. Right. Even if they don't win, they, they still get that that acknowledgement. Right. It's considered a, a metric of awards of saying, hey, this person was nominated. Grammy nominated such and such and such. Right. That's how you're identified. But analytics is more so about the numbers, right? Being able to say, you know, I've, you know, I have, you know, a million followers or uh, even 2,000 followers. It doesn't matter. But year over year, I've grown my following base, you know, from 1,000 to 2,000 uh, people, you know, uh, coming out to my shows, I've increased uh, my turnout by 40%, you know, in the last several months. Like things that are measurable to an aspect of growth. All right. If you can show that in your analytics and people are seeing the growth, they'll want to jump on the train and see what's going on. All right. The eighth key element, and it's usually just the most simple, and some people tend to forget it, is contact information. Right. Include ways to reach you, such as social media handles, email, and website. Even put a phone number if it's active and you, you know, will be answering the phone, or give the manager 
telephone number in there or their email address. Uh, your website is is more so the aspect of what they're going to go to. But even on your website, make sure you have contact information that if somebody sees something that they like uh, in your EPK, they're able to get it out to you. I'm sorry, they're able to get out to you, reach out to you and get you on board to whatever they they have going on. So you don't want to miss opportunity just because nobody can reach you. All right. Bottom line, you want to elevate your brand. Right. And your EPK helps you to do that. So while an EPK's primary focus is to broadcast your brand and forge potential partnerships, another advantage of drafting the EPK is the journey of self-reflection. So hopefully, as you're collecting assets and highlighting all your wins, you'll grow a deeper understanding of your brand's goal and mission. All right. So keep your EPK fresh and up to date. You never know who's destined to come across at the right time for a great opportunity. All right. Coming up contract speed we're going to be talking term periods and those tricky renewal clauses right after this i don't you're the one that always holds girls and you can not. hear it in my voice audience you, hear it, right? you can hear it she i lying. do not get angry at him <laughs> she, what and even if i do get angry She's at him on the off times that i do off times off thin times i am very very quick to forgive him no she is him, not him on the other hand no you are not quick you to forgive take me. hours hours to forgive me first of all hours it takes me a while to get upset i'm very patient so it takes me a while to calm down see and he admits it he's angry admit, i admit, told you i'm human exactly see? you do things see? that upset me rewind this and play it back so when you hear what he says he said what he said and then he changed it like i so. said i'm never mad at her <laughs> oh my god <laughs> welcome back to the music professional podcast that advertisement was once again, that's the MFW podcast. Definitely check us out on anchor.fm backslash MFW. Uh, you could definitely go check us out on Spotify as well. That's Leia and Shah, uh, Marry for What uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, hope to get to it. Uh, before I continue, I'd like to give a quick disclaimer uh, for this next area. We like to call this contract speak. All right. So my disclaimer is I am not an attorney. The materials on this show and the blog are for informational purposes only and do not constitute legal advice or substitute for legal counsel. This information is not intended to create and receipt of it does not constitute an attorney-client privilege. You should not rely or act upon this information without seeking professional counsel. All right, everybody, it's time for Contract Speak. Contract Speak is the segment of the show where we look over music contracts and take bite-sized pieces out of it to break down clauses, concepts, and even terminology. In my opinion, the more you can understand what is being said in a contract, the better you'll understand what it's not saying. So let's get to it. Today we're working on term. In every contract, you're always going to see the uh, terminology term, T-E-R-M. And the term is the length of time you, the artist, will be in business with the label or another company. The term equals the sum total of the initial period, 
all option periods and the last bit called the restriction period sometimes called an exploitation period that functions like a sunset clause wow i know that's a mouthful but in the simplest of definitions a contract term is the amount of time over which the agreement lasts in music contracts the term can differ by the type of agreement for example an exclusive songwriting deal with the music publisher could be for one year with the option to extend through several more while a record deal could be phrased in terms of album cycles i do want to give a shout out to expiration io for the interpretation and example so it's essential to mention that the term is binding meaning an obligation that cannot be broken and if for example the clause says that the agreement lasts until may 31st at 11:59 p.m then that timing must be adhered to strictly. You gotta follow it. So what is an initial period, an option period, or a restriction and exploitation period and a, a sunset clause? Well, first, let's break down what a contract period is. The contract period is when the artist is exclusively bound to a label. The master rights of all the assets produced during the contract period are generally granted to the label. The label can then exploit the assets during the exploitation period, and we'll get to that a little later. An initial period is the first contract period, or the first period of time you'll be under this contract. Typically, the initial length of a recording contract is one year. I've usually seen two years as the initial period for artist management agreements. This one or two year term is generally followed by several option periods where the record label is free to renew your contract for additional time periods. I do want to make a slight correction. I said initially that the recording contract is for one year. It can be almost any amount of time. And if you're dealing with cycles, it's based on the number of albums that you put out. So you don't have to really follow that, that it's going to be one year. Whatever they offer you, that's going to be their terms to feel that they can do the best for you in that situation. All right. Generally, the initial term is followed by several option periods. And this is where it gets tricky. All right. A company or a label or an individual will ask you to grant them one or several renewals or automatic renewals of the same agreement with one or several option periods. However, they aren't really asking because they tend to use a word that does not particularly need your approval. And that word is automatic. This word automatic allows them that at the end of the term period, it will automatically renew, period. Now there may be clauses for termination prior to this happening, but in all honesty, it will just renew and keep going depending on how many option periods that you've granted them. You will also encounter a word that doesn't allow you to be able to alter that decision. And that word is irrevocable. In a management contract, it sounds something like this. Artist hereby grants to manager one automatic irrevocable renewal period to extend the initial term for two additional years the extended term reference thereafter. Automatic and revocable means, well, you know what automatic means, but irrevocable means not possible to revoke or cannot be altered. Depending on the number of option periods you are granting, 
you can be under the same agreement for two to 10 years before they'll let you out. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not really. I personally have reviewed ironclad contracts that put multiple automatic irrevocable renewals that add up to 12 years after the initial period. I say all this to say, you may not be able to not have those words included, but you can lower the number of option periods that are allowed. You can even limit the length of the initial period. This is what we call leverage. Because by limiting the length of your contract to one year, not including option periods, you prevent a record label or company from virtually controlling your life and your ingenious work for an excessive amount of time. Having leverage puts you in the best possible position to get the terms in an agreement that you want. A company is always going to give you what they feel that they can do for you, right? And their responsibility is to do it within the term period, right? that you're working together and you want that relationship to be prosperous. If they're allowing for these automatic renewals without any other contingency or any other of terminating the agreement, letting you out of the agreement, you don't want to be tied down, especially if the relationship isn't working and you don't want someone else to own or have control over the works that you've already done. Right. We understand that the granting of masters and that'd be a whole nother episode for contract speak. But just in the understanding of the term period, how long you'll be in the contract and what your responsibilities are, the company or the record label, they will have what they perceive to be the time period to get the most out of this investment into you. You are the asset for them. So they want to possibly keep it as long as possible, as long as it's profitable and prosperous. But if it's not working, you can ask to have the number of years reduced. You can ask to have the renewal periods, right, not be automatic and that you would have to come to a mutual agreement, okay, to continue the relationship. Now, this can go all types of ways. But all I'm really saying to you is this. Any contract is negotiable, right? Before you sign it, it's negotiable. And if anyone doesn't want to bend to any of what you have going on and you've already leveraged the situation to be able to go elsewhere or basically choosing yourself, then you could either decide to sign it or not sign it. And that's just something you deep down have to discover for yourself. You never know where your career will take you. And it's important to keep your options open. But before signing that contract, make sure you aren't locking yourself into a lengthy contract with no escape. I'm going to touch on restriction or the exploitation period. The exploitation period is when a label can exploit recordings made under the agreement. In most contracts, the restriction or exploitation period is an extra period where the artist is still bound to the contract's material conditions and non-compete clauses. But this period starts when the last option period ends and can last another duration. It's used to prolong the contract or as a way of clinging to an artist's popularity for just a bit longer. All right. Sunset clauses. You found your way into an agreement and how long you'll have to be there. But you should think about how you're going to get out too. I won't dive deep into release commitments where 
you can have guarantees in writing that ensure that the other party is doing the work they promise or your walk. But I will touch on sunset clauses or sunset provisions. And I'm doing this just so you can get familiar with some of the wording and the jargon that's used in these legal contracts so you have a better idea on what to ask your attorney about in regards to length of time uh, within an agreement. So a sunset clause states a finite amount of time after a contract end date where the manager can be paid a commission. In addition, a sunset clause gives the manager the right to collect commission from any other contracts they secured for you, the artist, during the initial contract term or their option periods. I'm only mentioning this clause as with it in place and by meeting all of the obligations outlined in the agreement, you'll have an opportunity to walk away without dispute or heavy contention. Of course, that's not all cases, but a clause on your side is one more shield for the battle if it comes to that. These definitions are an oversimplified examination of these clauses, but arming you with the basics will help you better understand what you'll be speaking to your attorney about before you consider signing your next contract. Well, as you know, in every episode, You'll get a little business, some operations, and some terminology or contract breakdown to help you become better as a music professional. So follow this podcast, leave a like, comment, or review to help the algorithm. I'd really appreciate that. Check me out on Twitter at the music underscore pro one to stay up to date with episodes and take my weekly quizzes to test your knowledge and learn a thing or two. Thank you again for listening to the Music Professional Podcast, the place to improve your abilities and leverage your skills as a music professional. Once again, I'm your host, Shaheen Kellum, and I'll talk to you in a couple of days.